What's up, everyone, and welcome to the dorm room. I'm Charlie Rook. And I'm Baxter Friedman. And we created this podcast so that we can talk to some pretty cool athletes and outdoorsmen and hear their life stories and learn some pretty cool things. Let's get into it. What is up, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the dorm room. I'm Charlie Rook alongside Baxter Friedman, and today we're going to be talking to one of the most decorated high school and college runners I've I've gotten the privilege to talk to, Chris Derrick from Stanford and Bowerman Track Club. So, Chris, how are you doing today, man? Doing good. How are you guys? I'm doing pretty well right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing good, too. I'm doing yeah. good, too. Cool. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I grew up in mostly in Naperville, Illinois. Um, I ran for Coach Vandersteen at New Valley High School. Um, I ran at Stanford for uh, four years, had a great time there, and then ran for Bowman Track Club for about nine years after that. And um, yeah, retired in 2021, at the, uh, the end of 2021, after had some, a tough time with some injuries, but um, you know, it was pretty good gravy training there for a while. So, God, yeah. Not not so terrible to to end on a, on a bad note after after all the great things that I was fortunate to experience. Yeah, that is that's really cool. That was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think ending on a career like that is you know pretty pretty special, impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we'll just get right into it. So, what made you want to go into running? Um, when did you when did you start running competitively, really? And like, you know, where did you want to run as a kid, or like, did that just kind of happen? No, yeah, I was, uh, I think I used to joke with my parents that I wouldn't, I would never like become a runner because then I would just like disappear because I was already so skinny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, um, Charlie, I guess, as you know, like Nico Valley High School's really big school. It's like 4,000 kids. And so um, I was uh, young for my grade. Um, like I was 17 when I went to college. Um, and so like I was pretty relatively scrawny um in like eighth grade and I was playing on a travel basketball team that I like probably shouldn't have made but my coach really, my neighbor was the coach and he didn't have a son so I got to be like his like you know de facto like you, you know you get one like automatic kid who doesn't deserve to be on the team normally it's the coach's son but it was me because I was his neighbor and uh yeah one of the one of the moms on the team um she like her son had run for coach Vanderstein and she just like loved his experience and just kept talking up how great that was and like how awesome the kids were and how, yeah, just like he was such a, like so good for her son and all that. And my parents decided that like, I probably wasn't going to make a team as a high school kid. Cause there was like 4,000 kids at the school and mm-hmm. it was like a fine athlete, but not that good. Uh, and so they made me do the summer running program. And like, they told me later is cause they didn't want me to like get in trouble, but like, they wanted me to have something to do so I wouldn't get in trouble. But like I was a huge nerd, so I just think they just wanted me to have friends. And so, um, because there was there's no chance that I was gonna like get in trouble for anything. Um, like the, the one thing I got in trouble for in middle school was like reading my book, reading a book underneath my desk in English class. So <laughs> like I yeah, I got in trouble for reading in English class, which tells you all you need to know about me. And then uh yeah, so anyways, I joined summer running, wasn't that good to start with, I think. Um, but the co- yeah, coach machine was just like super inspiring. You know, it was like 130 kids on 130 boys on the team, but made a point to know everyone's name, like talked to everyone every day. 
um, and just like kind of just made me feel like I belonged. And so I decided to go out for the team in the fall. And I think I was the seventh guy on the fresh soft team my freshman year. I ran like 18 minutes for three miles. And then, yeah, he just uh, kind of just kept encouraging me. I kept training more and I just got better. That is crazy. Um, I mean, our, first off, like I have never, so you said there's like 140 kids on the team. Yeah, I think there was like 130, 135 boys on a team when I was uh, when I was there. Golly, that's a that's an insane amount of people. But uh, I guess all right. So wait, when when in high school uh, did it really just click for you that like, hey, I'm like a good runner now, or like because I mean, you said you ran 18 minutes as a freshman. Like that's I mean that's really impressive, honestly. Was it the coach or what happened uh, during that time period that like you improved just so much? Yeah, so like freshman year in cross country, like I said, I was the seventh guy on the fresh soft team. So uh, I was pretty much like, well, if, if just like no one gets any better or worse, then I'll be on the varsity team when I'm a junior and I'll get a varsity letter and like, what more could you want in life? And so uh, then like I was pretty committed to sticking with it. And uh, yeah, Coach Anderson just like told me like, if you just like run every day over the winter, you'll get better, um, which is like not super like, crazy advice but I was like pretty eager to please and so I most I think I there was like one week over Christmas where I like only ran like three days and then I like suffered the rest of the like the next week and so I kind of just like told myself never again but then uh yeah I don't know I uh start things started to click a little more um sort of in the middle of indoor track um actually yeah I'm telling like lots of stories when I was like really young but there was this kid who like joined uh who had played soccer and he joined and like only like two kids in each event got to go to this big meet at Proviso West which was like one of the only tracks that was like 200 meters and he got to go and then I was kind of like well that ruins it like I was good I was the seventh guy now he's here I'm the eighth guy and so like the next day like after I went to like the B meet I just like decided to follow the kid who was leading the race and I PR'd at like 800, 1600 and 3200 in the same race. And then, um, yeah, by like the spring, I guess I'd run like 10, 17 or something. Um, yeah. and we had a pretty weak, relatively weak team at the time. And so I got to run, uh, on varsity at the sectional meet, which was pretty cool. Um, and, and then like the next, that summer, I kind of like kept getting better, got to like train with the varsity guys. And then, um, my first coach decided to like, uh, we used to do this thing called like the runathon. We'd like run as many laps as he could in an hour and he'd like to raise money and, uh, for the, for the, this program or whatever. And, uh, I like caught like our number one guy in like the middle of that, like finished with him. And then after that, I got to run varsity the first race. And like, I remember one of my other favorite stories is, uh, like we were watching a fresh soft race at this like dual meet against this not very good team we would face at the beginning of the year. And uh, one of the seniors was like, like you were, I was watching two of my teammates like win the race. Mm-hmm. And one of the seniors was like, yeah, sucks for you. Like you could have won this fresh soft race, but now you have to wait like another year. Um, and then I won the varsity race that, <laughs> that, uh, that day. So like, that was kind of like, I don't know, I guess like my coming out party, I guess. So um, yeah, I was like the number one guy on the team my sophomore year. And I I finished like maybe like 43rd at state or something like that. But Dang. from then on, like it was kind of like a good upward trajectory. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that. I being able to throw that back in that guy's face must have felt kind of good. Um, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, um, but I I heard from Steen used to talk about you a lot, um, to the team, and uh, he was he was telling everyone that um your sophomore year the the team culture was kind of um a rough one, and so like how how important was it to you to kind of like your junior and senior year build build that up a little bit. Yeah, so um, I think like the seniors on a team, like notwithstanding like that guy kind of taunting me, like they were they were good. Like they they mostly cared about like running and like trained hard and stuff. Um, we had like a little bit. So like the the guys I kind of hung out with were like my age and a year older, and like probably like one of the more talented guys in that group was like a little bit of like a. It, like he was, he was talented. He didn't like necessarily want to work that hard. And so like, um, yeah, we would go and we'd like meet up and we were supposed to like double during the summer and like, it was kind of lame, but like, you know, he'd want to like, we'd want to like, like play, like capture the flag or like, I don't know, like games in the woods or whatever, instead of running. And I would like go run and then come back and like, you know, try to pretend like I just hit him really well or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I started having like a lot of success and I think that sort of tends to breed success. And I definitely think at like the high school level, like, so there's so much low hanging fruit. Like if you can just get like 10 guys, like seven guys in each class to just like train for four years, you'll be, you'll be like one of the best teams in the country. Like most, most years, like so much of running is just like building up that aerobic base over time. And so um yeah I think just like I started having more success and like a couple other guys joined in and they started having a lot of success as well and um it just sort of like snowballed and fed on on itself um and like you know we had I we had one teammate the guy who ended up being uh our second guy at nationals the year we won um you know he would go to this like young life camp every year and it was like pretty hard to run there and like who just always like had to run, like you need to run there, need to run, need to run. And like senior year he did and um he ended up getting a stress fracture. So like I don't even know, I don't know if it helps. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was our second guy at nationals. And I think, yeah, and I think just like people I, I've kind of got a theory. Um I kind of feel like for high school boys, it's like the number one thing to be is like be the best. And then like number two is like pretend you don't care. And then, because that's like cool. And then, like the worst thing you can be is like someone who tries hard and isn't good. And so, like you just need to like convince guys to like that they can that if they try to be number one, like they'll get there, and they won't end up being number three. Um, and I kind of feel like when people on our team started having success, like that convinced people that it was like if they put themselves out there and tried hard, like it would it would take us someplace. So I think that was kind of what happened, but. I think Coach Anderson also had a lot to do with that because he was someone who was always very good at seeing the potential in every kid and like getting them to really believe in that. I mean, that's a really I, I like that theory. I think that's a I think that is I mean I don't know, I think that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I guess there's one other thing I want to talk to you about uh, in high school, and it said that like it was you there was like two people of your class that really just like stood out, um, and it was like you and then was it is it German Fernandez? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it like you y'all two would basically just go like y'all would battle for like like every time y'all would race or did you ever race against him 
Uh, yeah, we, we actually the one time that we raced, uh, neither of us won. This guy, uh, Mike Fout from Indiana, won Foot Locker. So I think we were probably like the two hyped up guys, but but Mike uh, actually won the race. So uh, I think, yeah, we had a really good class. Like German set a bunch of national records and stuff. Um, but like Luke Piscadra was a multi-time All-American at Oregon and turned pro and Ryan Hill ended up being like a silver medalist at World Indoors and uh, Don Cabral was a two-time Olympian. So um, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone else as well, but like it was a, it was a really good, it was a really good class. Um, yeah, German, uh, German and I probably had like within our states had like the most hype or whatever, but I don't think that necessarily means we were like the best runners or anything. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's always nice to have like it, it's really cool to be able to look back on your class and just be like, dang, bro, like these these guys are all really good. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's awesome. Um, well, obviously you had some some success in high school just a little bit yourself too. Um, you you were an individual NXN champion, which is um or an individual national champion, which is kind of crazy, as well as huge Nequal winning as a team that year. So like, what what was that like um for you? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, so I got, I, I always got a curve for the record because, you know, yeah, so I ran for Nike for a number of years and I'd always be at NXN and stuff, which was awesome. It was super fun. They'd always say I was like an NXN champion, but technically that was the last year that it was Nike team nationals. So it was only the teams in the race yeah. that I won. So I got to, I can't take claim that full credit, but um, no, I mean, it was, yeah, it was exhilarating. Like, we, like I said, you know, our sort number two guy, Jimmy had been hurt and he actually like collapsed his first race back from a stress fracture was state. And he collapsed like a few hundred meters from the finish line and was like our sixth guy. Um, but we had, we fortunately still won. Um, but he ended up, he was sixth in that NTN race, which was awesome. And, um, it was kind of funny. They, so they try to like hold the results back. So it's like dramatic. But they hadn't quite like figured it out, figured it out at the time. Like this was 2007, so like, you know, people weren't thinking about the internet really, and they accidentally like posted the results online. But they posted the individual results, but didn't post the team results, as if and then like people just did the math, and yeah. so they told us that we had won, um, and we only won by two points. We only beat, and we only were nine points ahead of third. So it was like super close, and we would have been like incredibly nervous had we not been told by people on the internet that we had won. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it, but it was, it was awesome. Like uh, everyone on the team had worked really hard and like, we actually, we'd only been ninth at state the year before. Um, and like, it wasn't like we ran bad at state. Like we thought that was pretty good. So the next year we like won national, we won state, we won nationals. Um, and just, yeah, it was, it was a blast. That's crazy. Uh, that is like really crazy. Just went from ninth all the way to being best in the nation. Um, yeah. But so I guess uh, moving on from high school, you ran at Stanford. And I guess I want to ask, like, how was that recruiting process and why why Stanford? Uh, yeah, the recruiting process was like, it was pretty fun. It was probably more stressful than it needed to be because you're just like fitting all this stuff in like senior year. During cross country, obviously we're trying to like when state and stuff and doing classes and things, but so going on all these trips, my parents said I was like really cranky, but I don't know. I remember having fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was like met a lot of cool people. Um, some of whom, you know, became close with later in life, but, 
yeah, I ended up, um, I mean, Stanford is just like a beautiful place. Like it's, it's really stunning when you go, um, which obviously helps, but also I just felt like I really connected with the guys there and, uh, coach Anderson gave me good advice. He told me I should go somewhere where I felt like I'd be happy if I got hurt or the coach left. Um, which was good advice because I think like I think I like talked somewhat seriously to maybe like seven schools and I think like five of them had different coaches by the time I graduated so um that was pretty pretty prescient advice um and actually like yeah so and then the guys you know the guys I met there the guys who were freshmen and uh so they were like hosting me and they were so they were a year older uh like those like those four guys were like in my wedding so it was like a pretty good pretty good choice um but yeah I think it just I felt like I vibed with the guys on the team and like uh you know like I said it was kind of a nerd so the the academics appealed to me so yeah yeah it's a pretty good academic school yeah it's a little (laughs) bit um (laughs) that's uh, that's really cool I mean you obviously you found a little bit of success at Stanford as well um were you a individual cross champion there as well am i right no nope. i never won in civilis i finished uh in the top 10 four times but i never won i got you well what was um what what were those races like for you what was what was your stanford career like uh yeah i i guess um it was it was good it was fun i had, yeah, had a great time unfortunately like we never had that capstone moment like we like i had at Niqua. um i think we won I think we finished like third, fourth, fifth, and tenth at uh, in Stable A's when I was there. Um, we were ranked like one or two a couple times. Uh, I finished seventh, third, fifth, and second in cross country and in the yeah I in the top seven or eight uh, a number of times in track. Um, so I think I finished second three times overall, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, good. Yeah. it was a good time. Like, yeah, like I said, met some some great friends and um, like NCAA races were always like obviously very nerve wracking, but always super fun. Like the very fond memories. I, I really enjoyed cross. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I don't really have a, a I guess I don't have like a, a great detail for why it was so fun, but like just cool to like always kind of be near the top and like feel like I was competing for those kind of accolades and just yeah I fortunately like I had a couple seasons where I was hurt um but I only had to redshirt once and one indoor season so pretty much just got to race like season after season after season and that's what it's all about that's nice um so you were a 10 were you a 10-time all-american at Stanford um 14 14 oh goodness I'm that's right. Sorry, you got you got ten all American in track and indoor track, and then you got four in cross country, right? Yeah. All right, that's that's what I forgot. Um, I mean that may, that's even more impressive. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy. Um, and I don't know. I guess what would you say was your favorite race in Stanford? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I feel like for all the success that um I sort of had in aggregate, a lot of the a lot of them felt like I always wanted a little more in the moment, which I think is pretty natural. Um, I guess the one I look back on the most is like feeling like feeling really good. Cause like a lot of them, like if they were successful, like they were really hard. 
Um, I think the, yeah, I guess, I guess I would go with two on like the opposite end of the spectrum in that regard. Like one was like my junior year, uh, I got hurt indoors and I only had like, uh, I had like five weeks to train before conference. And then I was the last guy I ran conference and that was, I was the last guy to get in nationals, um, off of that race. And then, uh, I had never not scored. So like every time I had run NCAAs, I finished in the top eight and every season I had run, I had finished, I had made it so list. So, uh, I was pretty committed to like scoring. Um, and it ended up being like one of the fastest races to that point in NCAA history. I know times are like even crazier now, but, um, yeah, I finished eighth, like the very last spot to score. And I ran like 1336 or something, which was like relatively close to my PR at the time. And I yeah, hadn't been running, I hadn't really run that much um, in front of that. And like, I felt like that was one where I got the most out of myself. So I was pretty proud of that. Um, and then like opposite end of the spectrum, when I ran my 10 KPR at Stanford, I just like felt great. Yeah. Like, just felt awesome. And yeah, I wish I could just have, feel like that all the time. I would never retire, but such is life. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like, I mean, I, I think a lot of pit times people look at like championships and um, individual titles and they say, oh, well, that's got to be your best memory or like you like you race you're most proud of. But sometimes it's like races where it's like, you know what, because of all the variables of the time, like I'm actually like more proud of this one. So I think that's like kind of cool that we get to do that in our sport, um, especially. But you mentioned a few times that you've been hurt and you even had to redshirt. So how do you like, how do you respond to like adversity when you get hurt? What's, you know, like, how do you, how do you keep going? Yeah. Uh, I wish I responded better. Um, I mean, I think the key, I think the hard thing for me has always been like dealing with, dealing with like first starting to feel like a nickel or whatever come on and like not wanting to take the time to, let it heal. And that's kind of how I've gotten, how I got myself into more trouble during my career was sort of just like always wanting to push through. Um, just generally not a good idea. Um, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like one of the things I, I struggled with that was like not, was, was not good was I would kind of think like I'm either healthy or I'm hurt. And it was like really hard to convince myself that like I wasn't perfectly healthy. And so I would kind of like keep going until I got really hurt. Um, and, but like, once I, once I knew I was really hurt, then it was like, I don't know, just like pride and jealousy of like wanting to be back out there and doing, doing the fun things again. And so, um, just try to like get into a good routine of cross training or whatever, like do whatever you have to do to make it bearable. Like, I don't know, podcasts or whatever, whatever it takes, uh, on the bike. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. I think. I think once you can like set a new goal and a new mindset of like the goal is to get healthy again, then you have a new thing to work towards. Um, but I think what was always hard for me was like the beginning of that process in realizing it, I would just kind of feel like, Oh, if I take like one day off, like I'm going to like lose so much, which is dumb because then I ended up taking like three weeks off because I really myself up. I don't know if we ought to swear on this podcast, but um, Thank you. you're, yeah. all, you're all good. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so I think that was, that was sort of like the, the challenge I always faced, but 
uh yeah once i was just always like creature of routine mostly so like once i established a new routine or cross training or pt or whatever it was like easy to keep that rolling but convincing myself i need to change the routine from when i was training was hard and that was probably like a big a big failing of mine and something i wish i would have done better yeah do you feel like you're a fairly routinely oriented guy then yeah i think i probably follow the patterns and habits like quite a lot so um even in my even in my life currently so i really gotta watch it because you know once i start looking at my phone too much it's just gonna spiral i'm just gonna do it all the time so um yeah i i definitely think like that was a thing that appealed to me about running and um was something that like i was probably made it easier for me to train than other people i don't know so i think like yeah i don't know sort of like to your point earlier about what's what's your best performance all that kind of stuff you it's always like hard to know like who's tough and who's not like mm-hmm. like who just likes it right like who just like enjoys whatever they're doing um like there were things i was like tougher at but maybe i just like liked it more and there was things i w- wasn't as good at doing and like i don't know maybe i wasn't that tough right like i i enjoyed some things i didn't enjoy others and things i enjoyed tended to get done more than others I mean, that, that's fair. Uh, I guess if you like what you, you're doing, then you're going to get it or then you're going to do it. But yeah. um, so I guess uh, moving on from Stanford, uh, you you went to the Bowerman Track Club. Did you go like was was it straight from Stanford to Bowerman or was there anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, we weren't we weren't Bowerman at the time. Um, it was just like I think it was Jerry was still with like the Oregon Track Club. Okay. at the time so um i think i ran one race in that uniform and then we became like unaffiliated just like nike and then we joined up with the uh, bowman athletic club which was like a club in portland for like that started off as a club for like nike employees but it kind of became like a uh, more broad-based like youth club and, and master's club and stuff so um that was fun and then i got to be a part of like building out some of that stuff with like the youth club and the broad organization, which was fun. That is really cool. So you were kind of like one of the, or so I guess what I'm getting from this is that you were like kind of one of the founders of it, or I mean, maybe not founded it, but you were like one of the like uh, first people to be a part of it. Um, Jerry, well, Jerry's group had been around for since his days in Wisconsin. So he had, he probably had it for a group for like four years or so. Um, and then like the, the Bowerman Athletic Club, like which became the Bowerman Track Club, that had existed for a number of years, maybe like a decade or so. Um, and like uh, Chris Cook and John Churax, who were both like Nike shoe designers, they were the ones. And um, another guy who who I never, I don't think I actually met, but he had left by the time I, he had you know moved by the time I was there. Um, they were the ones who really got started. Um, and really, I just like, Mainly, uh, Elliot Heath, who was my teammate and roommate for a long time, um, like sort of helped to like bring it in a, di- you know, a different direction with Cookie, um, Chris Cook, like to sort of broaden it out and make it like more of a brand and grow the youth program and stuff. So um, I was just kind of there to like help. Um, but really, we were like working from the scaffolding and like the base that, that uh, Chris and John um had built so i think i would yeah i wouldn't make myself a founder that would be uh self-aggrandizing <laughs> yeah that's so cool though yeah that's awesome um so when you were running for bowerman like can you kind of 
I don't know if I don't know if you're gonna be able to do this, but can you maybe take us through like um almost like a day in the life of like a, a professional runner? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess like you know, yeah. I guess like altitude camp would be like the like sort of prototypical you know training hard vibe, but it's pretty simple. You wake up, eat breakfast, probably drink some coffee, go run. Like so, our our like most standard day would be like run 70 minutes, do core, uh, which would be like an hour. I mean, we, we call it core, but I guess it was like all manner of like stretching, core, weights, whatever. Uh, and then come back, eat lunch, maybe take a nap, maybe stare at your phone for a while, maybe like bullshit with the guys and then go run again. So like, yeah, like I said, when for like my first few years in the group, and I think probably most of the guys still now would be like 70, 35. Uh, so like 70 minutes in the morning, 35 at night. And then, uh, yeah, and sometimes I guess sometimes you'd have like a PT or like a massage in there and yeah, make dinner, go to bed. Uh, yeah. Play, play Catan at altitude camp or whatever, watch <laughs> Game of Thrones, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty like, it's pretty chill. Like yeah. obviously you get pretty tired after a while, but um of all the jobs you can have it's definitely like definitely a nice one i'd say that's pretty cool wait so you like um you said you'd run for like 70 minutes uh in the morning and like 35 at night or like in the afternoon um would you is that like a recovery day for you or is that like uh or is that more of like a like 70 like as a workout and then 35 is like a recovery uh no i think that we i guess like jerry's probably not big on my coach uh Jerry Schumacher, like he probably wasn't, he probably wasn't so big on the idea of like a pure recovery day. Uh, Jerry always wanted to run a little hard, but um, I would say generally like the 70 would be easy to moderate, call it like, we'd always start, we'd always start like super slow, but probably like you run maybe like 11 miles, 10 and a half, 11 miles. Um, so maybe call it average like 620 um depends like sea level altitude all that kind of stuff but say you run the first mile in like 745 and the last in 545 to six minutes and a lot of six o's to six twenties in between um and then i feel like we would mostly run pretty slow in the afternoon when we were when we were all together mm -hmm. um i've always had a bad habit of running too fast on like regular runs so i probably run faster if i was by myself and like I said, I ended my career with like forties of injuries, so don't don't take my advice. I gotcha. Oh, okay. Well, I I was gonna say like I uh I I feel like we, we tend to do that a lot sometimes if we get a recovery day. So, uh, I guess we'll we'll have to take it a little bit slower now. But uh, um, yeah, actually, I guess speaking of advice, I mean you, that was I mean advice right there. But what's like one of the most like like the best type of advice I guess you could give to a future runner? Or like someone that like wants to run in college or, I mean, even GoPro? Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I think like people need to hear different things. And like, you know, probably like most people who run in high school need to just like run more and like run more consistently, right? But like if you're listening to running podcasts, like you probably need to rest more. Um, <laughs> but like, honestly, like what it comes down to is just, like you even see it stuff with like the, the double threshold and all those things that are going on. It's just like the more aerobic running you can do, the better. Like you're building up 
this aerobic base and like that's the most important thing. And like the thing to recognize about that is that it's a lot better to run like, I don't know, pick, pick a number for like a college kid. It's a lot better to run like 85 miles like every week than to run 100 miles five weeks in a row and zero for the next two, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, so the biggest thing that I've seen is that uh, I think the people that have like the longest and most successful pro careers tend to be like more confident in themselves. And I think like what that confidence lets them do is like rest when they need to. Because I think part of the reason that I would overtrain sometimes or like keep running when I was hurt is like not having the confidence that to like not thinking I would be successful if I rested. And so I think that like, but that's, you know, that's like for a very specific kind of person, right? Like there are some kids, like I've, I don't know, I volunteer coached at like a high school and like, there were some kids who were like, when my shin hurts, I'm like, your shin doesn't hurt. Like you're making it up. And then, <laughs> you know, so some kids need to be told to like suck it up and like keep running. Right. So like, it's hard to say, but um, yeah, it's just like the most important thing you can do is just like stack miles on top of each other, like over a number of years. And that probably means doing like 85 to 90% of what you're capable of, like all the time, or like, obviously you take your time off after the season or whatever, but like, if you think you can do X, like dial it back a touch and like, just do that every week and like, keep it, keep it going over a number of years. And like, that's how you see the results. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's a really good piece of advice right there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so obviously now recently you said you retired at the end of 2021. So, um, like what, what are you up to? What are you up to now? Uh, yeah, I work for like a, real estate investment company here in Boulder. And yeah, it's good. I've got a house with my wife, Sarah, who's a professor. So um, still get to see a lot of running friends. Um, don't, I don't keep up with the results as much as I, maybe I thought I would. I think, I think everyone, you know, everyone's running so fast with these shoes and like, I wasn't so happy with how my career ended. So like seeing guys just like blow my PRs out of the water, I'm still a little too sensitive to really like dial in, but um yeah, no, I, it's good. Yeah, I try to stay active and maybe I'll get more into running again someday. Yeah, wait, so I, I guess I was just about to ask, uh, do you still run like occasionally or uh, are you just like, I ran, I did my time, I'm done? No, no, I think, uh, it, yeah, it's funny. My, my wife runs um, and uh, she's like always like loved running, but you know, she's like worked these really long hours. It's like a, like a grad student, postdoc, professor. And there'd be times where it was like, I had trained, I was like pretty tired. And she would just be like, I need to go outside. Like I need, can we like go on a walk or like I need to run or something like that. And I'd just be like, why? Like I'm tired. Like, I don't like, I mean, I wouldn't say that. Like I would be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would just be like, I'd be like, it's like, wow, she's, she's crazy for this stuff. But now, like, I sit in front of the computer all day, and I'm like, I need to go outside. Like, I need to just, like, create that activity. So, um, yeah, I definitely still run, and I kind of want to try to, like, stay generally fit. I think it's kind of become a deeply ingrained part of my personality. So, like, if I did feel like I could hop in, like, a local 5K and, like, roast some noobs, I'd probably feel pretty bad about myself. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's definitely – Sort of like I said, like I think I always enjoyed the habit of running and like the habit of building towards something. So um, that's something that stayed with me. But like I run like 
in a big week, I run like 40 miles and I used to run a lot I mean, more than that. Still, so. That's still a lot of miles though. Like just, just for like anyone else, like, I mean, what was your, I, I, I guess this is another question, but uh, like, what was the most mileage you've ever done in a week? Uh, I ran like 148 once. 140? <laughs> Holy. 148, yeah. Oh my 48 that is that is ridiculous i mean yeah but like now like hobby jogging 40 miles a week like that's gotta feel like nothing i'm sure yeah oh i feel great yeah and uh when i was running professionally like especially the last like i don't know how many years but uh yeah i would wake up and like it would take me like 90 minutes to feel like i was ready to run of like i need like coffee and like food and i need to like go through this whole like stretching routine and all that stuff and like now I just like literally wake up and like put on clothes and go out the door with like, don't drink like water or anything. And I feel, I feel better in my first like 10 steps than I did like the entire time I was training because like I don't run that much. So it's, it's, it's much nicer, but um, yeah, I think, I think I want to stay like generally physically fit and like basically like just fit enough to do something like really stupid. Like, I don't know, run like a long run with some guys who are in good shape or like, you know, run a, like road 5k around here and just like battle some high school kid like that's kind of what i want i love that that's the perfect way yeah to live life enough yeah physical or physically fit enough to be able to do something stupid i love that that is such a mentality i love it (laughs) um god quickly i want to ask uh how did how did you and your wife meet then because obviously she's a runner as well was that would that kind of happen from that uh weirdly no we uh we actually met um at uh, youth in government. I've repeated multiple times that I'm a nerd, but yeah, it's like the mock trial, mock legislature thing. So we met in Springfield, Illinois. Um, but yeah, uh, in high school, we didn't date in high school. We we, we dated after after school. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's wait. So y'all knew each other in high school, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was actually I was seeing a, a physical therapist in San Diego, and I was uh, riding an elliptico down the 101, and she was riding the other way. That's how I met again. So. Wow. Just really cool stuff all around. Like, Incredible stuff. The love story is a perfect way. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I'd like to think that I'm the only person ever who uh yeah, like got a date while riding and lived to go. But <laughs> it's hard to do for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Anyone picks up. Um well okay, so I mean I guess uh, we're kind of getting to the end. Uh and so this is something I, I always ask everyone on this the podcast. Uh have you ever been to a Bucky's before? <laughs> No, no idea what that is. You, what? Really? You don't know. You don't know what a Bucky's is. No. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I, I don't know where you live, and obviously you don't have to tell me. But uh, they're Boulder. they're prime Boulder. Oh, Boulder. <laughs> you, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so they they're in uh they're primarily in Texas, and it's these okay. giant gas <laughs> And I know it sounds so stupid, but I promise you, it's like it's something that like a lot of people really like uh and they've got some really great uh brisket some beef jerky they've got basically anything you'd want it's like a walmart but everything that they sell there has got a bucky's logo on it which is a beaver by the way so all right you should something you should definitely uh go look into i guess okay all right next time i need some brisket i'll drive i'll drive to a texas gas station yeah no seriously because apparently they're really well known for the brisket yeah <laughs> uh, I, I love brisket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely, I would highly recommend it. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a really fun store uh, slash gas station. But they they also have really nice uh, bathrooms. That's another thing they're known for is <laughs> bathrooms. Right. Yeah, so that I don't. It's really random. It's if you've never heard of Bucky's, it's a really random concept. But uh, so is this whole podcast just like a platform to you to be like to be an evangelical for Bucket for Bucky's? Yeah. So that's that's the word out. Is uh, I am like a sponsor. Yes, that's that's the whole that's the goal of the podcast at the moment. Um, <laughs> they get to get a sponsorship by them, maybe an NIL deal. We we run D two also, uh, so I mean we're not like anything like you, but uh, we are. I mean we we enjoy running, but yeah, yeah. We try to get like uh, with them. I don't know. It's probably not going to happen, but you know, you know, hope. Keep mentioning every podcast. Maybe we'll come around. Next. No, yeah. seriously, we've done it. Like this is this will be time number seven. Yeah, so and we're gonna yeah. keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we go. Um, but yeah, um, so this sounds like a pretty good place to wrap it up. So, uh, this has been another episode of the dorm room. Um, we've had so much fun talking to you, man. Like we really appreciate it. I hope you've had fun as well. Yeah, it was a great time. It was fun to tell some little stories. Awesome, I love it. Um, but anyway, I'm Charlie Rook. And I'm Baxter Friedman. And this has been another episode of The Dorm Room, and so we will catch you all next time.